0: Yo, yo, hello, and welcome to episode one of the Alpha Rhythm and Friends podcast. The idea behind this podcast is to sit down with drum and bass artists whom I know personally and to have an informal chat with my guests so that you, the listener, can get to know the people behind the music that you love. I'm absolutely thrilled that Andrew Wilson, aka Willem, has graciously agreed to come on as our first guest. Not only has Willem had releases on some of the scene's biggest labels, such as Metalheads, Hospital Records, and Spearhead, just to name a few, but he has also helped mentor myself and many others within the scene, and collaborated with me for a release on Hospital Records earlier this year. So without further ado, I am very excited to present to you my chat with Drew Villem. Welcome to the very first episode of the Alpha Rhythm and Friends podcast. My name is Michael Gorman. I'm here with Drew Villem. And uh, yeah, we're just here to to talk a little bit about what we do, how we do it, who we are, and uh, all that good stuff. So how's it going, Drew?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Very well. It's currently warm and sunny, this side of the the planet, as it were.
0: Yeah, um, no snow on the horizon there.
1: You're saying how it's 0 degrees your end, but yeah, it's kind of it's it was kind of cold in September or August and now it kind of it's kind of got weirdly warmer again, but yeah, I'm sure it's going to going to get cold soon, but
0: yeah. I am a huge fan of winter um and, and I I'm, I'm, I'm honestly hoping yeah. as you know I'm coming over to London uh this winter and I'm really hoping that it snows when I'm there because uh, london looks beautiful in this at least from pictures that i've seen it looks it seems like it's a beautiful city in the snow
1: it hasn't snowed for a long time for quick, like quite a few years i don't think i don't remember it snowing last winter so it's it's due to snow
0: there we go oh that's a good way to look at it <laughs> um well you have the gulf stream that that keeps it pretty warm but you know you're further north than us and and we get just tons of snow here um but it would be nice. Does the snow usually stick there when it falls or, or does it usually just melt right away?
1: Yeah, it usually just turns into this sort of black sludge that's everywhere. And especially in London, because there's actually there's a bit less traffic now because they're trying to reduce the traffic. But yeah, it usually quickly descends into this kind of sort of black sludge. Um, so not the fluffy white London that you're thinking of. Right, think. not, not picturesque. Uh, no usually just sort of london is nice but yeah it's definitely it's it feels very smoggy mm. i don't know you have the word smog in, yeah you, yeah you, yeah so it kind of yeah it feels a little bit kind of
0: grimy so well that's good right that's why you have grime and and dubstep and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um although probably the grimiest uh most obnoxious dubstep comes from North America. Uh, but yeah, here in Pittsburgh, so this was the steel city. I mean, they, they still call it that. But earlier, um, uh, probably about 100 years ago, and when the steel industry was really, really big here, if you look at pictures of daytime Pittsburgh, they had the lamps lit, the lanterns during the day. It looks like the pictures look like nighttime. That's how smoggy Pittsburgh used to be. Uh because of all the steel, uh the steel industry here. So if you look at a
1: pumping out all the smoke and, and right. stuff like that. Jeez. Yeah. Is it not that it's kind of cleared up now?
0: Yeah, no, Pittsburgh, it's 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 a beautiful city now. A lot of the industries moved out. Um, we do a lot with robotics now. Uh the first self-driving cars that I know of in the whole country were in Pittsburgh, um, because we have Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, and so we have, and we have Pitt, we have another big university, uh, and we have a huge, huge hospital for, uh, for better, for worse. One of the biggest industries in the United States is, is healthcare. Um, yeah. and we have UPMC here. So we've shifted away from, uh, manufacturing and towards services, uh, and, uh, robotics.
1: Okay. Robots. Yeah. They kind of, they, they, they kind of freak me out a bit. <laughs> Are those... they going to replace you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, probably eventually. Um it's, it's those ones I don't know if you've seen them like Boston Dynamics, those mm-hmm. kind of those things, and they're like jumping from thing to thing, they're doing backflips and they're they're slowly getting more and more human-like. But just the way they move so, yeah, it's just like Terminator Two um all over
0: I don't know game. if you have this in London or or Ipswich or or wherever, but we have Robots that go down the street in Pittsburgh and deliver packages and we've had them for a couple of years now and they they banned right. them for a while because they get stuck I saw I, I, I hesitate to say this but I saw one get stuck on a homeless person We're, he couldn't get around the homeless person person I should say. Um, he, he was like, this is, what is this? There's just a person laying on the sidewalk, right? And it was just like going back and forth and back and forth. Uh, so anyway, they banned him for a while and they're back now. Um, and there's, yeah, there's a lot of, package delivery by by robots going up and down the sidewalk in Pittsburgh wow
1: Pittsburgh. that is crazy what what, what does they look like what are what these robots like? <laughs> it's, uh, they're
0: just on like four wheels and it's like a little like rover kind of thing I don't know it's uh I mean there's different ones from from different and, and it's all it's all really from the universities it's it's kind of experimental at this point point. and all the self-driving cars that we have because we have a lot of them um they all have, have people in them still um, but it is really an interesting time, you know, over the past three years having all these self-driving cars and, and robots <laughs> doing, you know, if you're on on Forbes, which is one of the main streets, it, and it's right, it's Pitt, it's where the, the the University of Pittsburgh is. You just see robots up and down the street all day, um,
1: which yeah, is no, interesting. I don't have that at all. I've not seen that. There was kind of talk of using I think Amazon put out an advert using drones to deliver packages, but that—I mean—that—that that just doesn't seem possible to have like a thousand drones all kind of fighting for, for airspace. But um, yeah, I mean, the amount of Amazon delivery vans that comes down our road, it would be nice if they—they—they they, they were just little robots. I think.
0: Yeah. Bob, yeah. Bob, it, Bob. It, it's interesting. We're in uh, uncharted territories, for sure. Have you seen any of the algorithmic uh, DJing? So there are, uh, I know some streams you can tune into where things are automatically beat matched, things are automatically kind of mixed in key as best as a computer could do it. Um, well, do you think well. that <laughs> the, the DJ is going the, the way of the uh, the dinosaur and we'll just have robots DJing for us in the future?
1: yeah i don't know i think i think yeah i think they'll they'll be able to do as good a job eventually as as, as a dj but there's always going to be that human kind of element i think mm. that people want to just l- look at or feel they'll feel kind of more connected to to, to human delivering the thing um and yeah i kind of i can definitely see the algorithm getting so good though that they'll be yeah. able to do just like a really cool mix perfectly kind of in key even to the ebb and flow of the mix kind of starting off kind of like slow and building up and coming down and i mean that that seems very doable i think um, yeah. yeah But, but whether it, whether it will take over no nah, I, I don't think so
0: like you said, the human element, um, the connection with another person and, and spin backs. And I mean, there's things that I, I guess you could program if the if the cheering gets greater and greater than yeah. a certain number of decibels, Definitely. spin it back, <laughs> reload.
1: Definitely. Uh, so, no, I, so. I think that 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 would be weird. I mean, you've got
0: people
1: <laughs> like Paris Hilton. She's she's like doing loads of DJing, mm-hmm. she's basically like a robot.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've seen her spin drum and bass. I've seen a video where she was spinning some D M V and I
1: Wow. Was she you know, what was she up to? Was she what liquid or heavy? I think or... it
0: was I wanna say it was uh the Rusco remix of uh oh, something or other. Or maybe it's a Netsky remix of Rusko. It's one or the other. The song's called Every Day. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the one she was playing. It's a it's real drum steppy, you know. Yeah. Rad. So
1: I, I do think kind of drum bass is really you know, it has has kind of broken through almost it keeps sort of having its ebb and flows, but I think in the kind of um the the public Outside of drum and bass, is definitely sort of broken through even, even more to a wider audience um, recently, I think.
0: That, that's interesting that you say that. So I, I, I did want to kind of touch on that. And maybe this is a good segue because I'm in such a bubble here in the United States. But we were speaking last week and you were saying how you feel that there's been this resurgence into kind of the mainstream, in, at least in the U.K., um can you talk a little bit about that and and how where you see your place in that and from what i understand it's more the more aggressive it's jump up kings of the rollers boo yeah i mean you see their spotify numbers and that's all i can go by is spotify numbers Mm -hmm. uh and and they're really 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 high um and then liquid producers some of them have some level of success um and you even talked about the success of some of the 160 uh, BPM stuff. But mm. but where do you see Willem fitting into all of that? And and how how do you see, um, especially with the the more aggressive styles of drum and bass, how do you see yourself in, in that big picture? Um,
1: hmm, that's a good question. How do I see myself in the big picture? It's kind of, yeah, I mean... It, it's kind of a tricky question because it's kind of difficult to truly see yourself. Mm, it's right. kind of easier for other people to kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of in, in there somewhere, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of uh, in in the middle of it all really. Um, but, yeah, you you see what's popular and I guess as an artist, you can sort of decide whether you want to kind of, okay, let's head down this road and, and see if we can, Kind of catch the the wave of this other thing or or do you continue to to do what you do and and kind of hope the trends move back around and stuff like that but um and I think I think as an artist you can do 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 all of the above really you can kind of dip your toe in and kind of see okay, let's just try and see what's happening over this side and and kind of write some stuff over that side and just see how it feels. For you, see how successful it is, um you know, I've kind of tried to write some more heavy kind of sort of dance or jump poppy stuff, but mm-hmm. I kind of get sort of halfway through I'm just like oh, this is this, this just doesn't feel doesn't feel like it's for me, you know it just doesn't feel like it's coming from uh like a a connected place it's coming right. from a kind of a place of yeah, let's just see if we can do do it almost uh, as as a as a thing to try and do um which I think is healthy as an artist just to try lots of different things and to keep exploring I think if you sort of look at my back catalogue it is pretty varied it's kind of heavy darker kind of stuff on metal heads or more kind of liquidy stuff with McLeod on spearhead and um I do like experimenting and trying lots of different styles so i don't know if that answers your question
0: but yeah i guess maybe i didn't phrase the question super well but uh that is the one of the things uh that i think that kind of defines you kind of strangely enough as an artist is you do so much variation between you have film and mcleod and then you have the vanguard project then you have your solo stuff and you've had Mm. stuff on med school you've had stuff on metalheads you've had these You've been on all these different labels and done so many different styles of drum and bass, Um, and with the resurgence of that more aggressive jump up style, I guess I didn't know if you were going to dip your toes into that at all or just kind of keep doing villain and and I hate to use I I hesitate to use the word sell out obviously you're not going to sell out but but sometimes like you said you can kind of ride that wave um you can be like oh this is and, and you've seen artists do it successfully um even an artist like spectrosol with untitled horn like spectrosol traditionally is a very liquid artist but then they came out with they're like oh foghorn word we can do that <laughs> and then and they did it and i think they did it very well um as that's say that's what that's you know about foghorn but um you know, they they kind of I don't again, I don't want to use the word selling out or jumping on a bandwagon, but they saw an opportunity there for, uh, uh, you know, a, an entry to a different style and maybe a, a, in introducing their sound to a different audience. Um, obviously, they're no longer with us. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe Untitled Horn did them in. But uh, I yeah, didn't but... know if you were going to maybe try to pursue that. And, and you kind of did answer that question. Um, you know, if it doesn't feel right as an artist. uh you know, unless you're just looking for a paycheck at the end of the day, I think it's best to stay true to yourself. Um but let's
1: yeah, it is, I mean, just kind of touching on that, it is kind of as as you I mean, I've 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 released a lot of music now and kind of as you get further and further into your career, I think at the start you you're just writing music and just hoping people kind of like it and labels like it, you can get stuff signed and start sort of building momentum and stuff like that but as kind of you know you've released a bunch of stuff um you you kind of want to like like so, sometimes you you might be writing in the thought of okay I'm going to write this tune because I want to get a vocalist on it and I want to see if I can kind of push the angles in that direction with 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 a mind to writing you know like like a hit I say so is that selling out well you you kind of you may be leaning towards a uh, a, a style of tune that that you can see is more popular you know if you if you look at spotify yes the really big kind of heavy bashy tunes they're really popular but all the kind of like on mine if you go to my spotify all the kind of the most streamed tunes are all with vocalists on mm-hmm. the, it, the, there's something to do with the spotify algorithm or it just goes all vocal you know people seem to like vocals more that's that is kind of a thing so i don't see that as an issue if you're thinking okay i'm going to try and get a vocal just to see you're still sticking within your what you like and mm-hmm. kind of not kind of venturing too far off the path but there is this ebb, ebb and flow of kind of okay i'm going to write like there's a there's a tune that i released on on symmetry which is like recently i think it's like seven minutes long it's like an ode to kind of LTJ Bukem's essential mixes from from the mid 90s and I just wrote that purely for myself. And I didn't honestly think anyone would be interested in it. And kind of long story short, um, yeah, break at Symmetry really liked it, and, and Kyo, who helps run Symmetry. And that tune kind of weirdly got playlisted on Spotify, which is like, huh, oh, that's weird. It's like a seven-minute tune. And so it's it's kind of, yeah, we want to try and gear certain things to certain certain avenues and, and, and explore and see if that works, see how that feeds back. But at the same time, it is quite difficult to kind of second guess what people like. And I think the only thing that you truly know is what you like. And then if you just write what you like, you just hope that other people will like it. Right. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that when you're genuine with your music, I think it speaks volumes. Uh, I don't think that that boo or um, you know any of those guys serum the kings of the rollers they're not doing it because they're looking for a quick cash grab. That's genuinely what happens when they sit down at a daw, right? They're they're not like oh this is gonna appeal to the masses. Um, I think they're just doing they're just doing them right. It, it, it's. Yeah. Um, And and like you said, you see some success with, uh, I know Monroe um, is one of the most, uh, again, I'm just looking at Spotify numbers, but he, you know, he has a a pretty wide reach on Spotify. And obviously he works with a lot of female vocalists um, and that is, it's two very different approaches, um, but, but, you know, you see success with both of them. Uh, is let it breathe is that your most streamed spotify tune yeah okay yeah
1: i think it's yeah it's like two point three million. Oh wow um, yeah yeah kind of yeah. is that two
0: dollars three dollars
1: no it's actually is that is i think you get about three thousand dollars revenue from a million streams okay um and then obviously that the distributor, they'll take 15% or 20%, depends on the deal, the label's got. Then the label will usually take 50% of that. And yep. then Cloud and Leo will split that other 50% three ways. So, but it's done incredibly well. That tune just, it just keeps on streaming and streaming. And I think it's, it's you know, it's it's the Spotify algorithm. Once it likes you, it kind of just, just keeps, if you listen to a song with a vocal, it will probably just suggest that song Right. Next, right. you know, in the Spotify radio. And it's yeah, Spotify is kind of it's great. I, I love it. I use it. Um, it is kind of annoying that you were sort of beholden to the to the Spotify algorithm and 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 stuff like that, but that's just that's just the way things are. And I think you just have to accept it and yeah, and
0: just... I uh I'm on the other end of things because I and I I kind of loathe Spotify, I don't use it, but I have a big YouTube presence. And it's all for me, like when I get a song into the algorithm or a a video rather, uh, which is a mix uh, into the algorithm, uh, like I have a seven hour mix that's like, I think at 250,000 streams. um, And then I have other mixes that have like a thousand. Right. And it's just like, why, (laughs) you know, it's hard to figure it out sometimes why some of them hit and why some of them don't. But but it is <laughs> it it sometimes feels like you're we're becoming slaves to the algorithm because I'm like, I just if I just figure out the algorithm, if I could just get on this playlist or that playlist, if in, in the case of Spotify, um you that's know because it, it's, 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 once you're in, you're good, but it, it, it's breaking into it because it's either like you don't hit it all or you really hit. That seems at least that that seems to be the case with YouTube. Um
1: Yeah, same as Spotify, you know, it's like it's either all or nothing, it seems, but um yeah, it's a bit of a, yeah, it can be, if you just kind of like focus on the numbers so much, it can, I think it can be detrimental because then it's, you're kind of then writing to what you think that everyone wants you to to do and you're not really kind of writing what, what you want to do. But having said that, it's kind of, there's this balance, you know, like if you just venture off and just write, Newly 10 minute long kind of epic soundscapes or something <laughs> that one wants to listen to, apart from you know, you maybe when you like to meditate. I know you like to do that, but um, yeah, you know, all the other end of the spectrum where you're kind of just writing you know, like a pure kind of pop song it's kind of trying to find that balance, isn't it? Mm. It's trying to find that balance between writing stuff that you like that isn't so far kind of too weird that no one's really going to get it, and kind of, I mean, there's like. There, there, there's there's like loads of tunes on my hard drive that they're just playing just strange you know just they're just weird you know I just I started it I had a lot of fun building up a loop and I come back to it and I'm just like you know what, what, what was I thinking <laughs> it's like how the hell did I get to that point but um I think I think that's that's fine it's just exploring and, and and you might get like a good drum break out of it or you might have found a good bass patch that you can use in another thing So it's it's never wasted, but um, yeah, there's certainly not. I think everyone sees the end product. Mm. They don't see maybe the ten or twenty discarded kind of ideas. They see kind of the end thing, and it just looks like, hey, you know, we just knocked it out in ten minutes or whatever, you know, or or like a day, or because there's always that story. There's there's so many stories in music where. You know, like some music, musicians said, oh, we we wrote this song in two hours, and it's like you know, like a global smash. There's all that. So I think people think a lot of the time when they hear the end product that maybe it has been kind of just just written pretty quickly. But sometimes it takes weeks, months. You know, like, like I years. don't want to say, don't I don't want to say years, but there's certainly some tunes that potentially would have started you know, a year ago, and then you come back and go, oh, hang on, this is, this is worth exploring. And then you kind of finish it off. So potentially, yeah, but. Yeah. And I guess
0: I'm thinking like just in uh, the, from the inception or conception of the song to the release, um, it could be years, especially if it's coming out on vinyl and, 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 and you know, things are moving slowly with that right now um, because of yeah. supply chain stuff. You know, my EP has been done for for quite a while, and still, you know, won't be out until next year. Um So, you know, it's it's especially when you take distribution and everything into account in promotion, and by the time a song comes out, I've heard many artists say like, "Oh, that's I don't like that song anymore." Just wait till I, I'm not going to name drop. But there's a lot of artists that that'll be like, "Oh, that's the no, no, just." check out what's coming next and they'll they'll send that to me and i'm like yeah but this is what's coming out now shouldn't i be promote, promoting this uh, so that's
1: true yeah because it just feels it might be two years old to to you and you've already written like another 10 15 tunes by the time it comes out i remember talking to um to to break many years ago and I was always amused because I was like, Oh, you know, your tune that came out on Friday, I, you know, it's great. And he was like, Oh, I didn't even know it came out. Like he, like he literally I swear he doesn't He really pay attention to <laughs> that sort of thing. He's just like, once it's done, it's done. I don't know. He's not on social media. You know, the symmetry accounts definitely not run by him. Mm. Um, he, he's made that decision and, um, I, yeah, notoriously difficult to to get hold of but that's why he's so sick though because he's just like you know what i'm just going to focus on, on on music and and it, luckily for him he's that good that, that that he can make that work um you know same caliber and stuff like that the these certain people can just have little to none social media presence but i remember out because they're so good
0: i remember this is Ages ago, because I I forget what year Sick Music came out on Hospital Records, which um, was one of the first LPs that I ever bought, probably. Uh, And and anyways, I was in the club and Seba was playing here in Pittsburgh. And I was like, hey, I was super bummed that your tune on Sick Music wasn't on the vinyl, uh, Snow. And he's like, it's not. He's like, and then he's like, is that out already? And I was like, yeah, it's out. And he's like i didn't know that even came out and and not only did he no, not know it was out but he didn't know it wasn't on the vinyl um which i think is probably my favorite song on that compilation um and uh he's
1: legend man he's yeah a I, 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 big big fan of his music big fan of his dj sets and big fan of yeah big fan of him as well because i had the pleasure of having some some uh Some evenings with Sever, but yeah, he's cool, man. He's yeah, he seems super
0: chill. This oh boy, that had to have been 12 years ago, something. It's over a decade ago, but it's been
1: releasing since the mid to early 90s. Mm -hmm. So, do you think how how many release things, the release kind of cycles that he's been through? And I guess a tune on on a compilation, you know, is is kind of that's not the least of his attention, but. You can see why after a hundred releases, why it's people like Break or Seba—they just, they're, they're not kind of, they're not not paying attention, but they're 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 onto. I think they just enjoy the writing process.
0: The irony in that is, I, I would have to check, but I would almost guarantee you that's one of his most popular songs ever, if not his most popular song, streaming number oh. wise, because uh, sick music that compilation just did extraordinarily well you know they they've done a number of them since um and uh i know at least on youtube the numbers the streaming numbers for that uh song are super super high i I, i'm not sure about the spotify numbers but so a a song that he had kind of forgotten about and it's a weird song if you go back and listen to that song sebas mixdowns are sometimes a little different you know but that one especially it stands out kind of like a a sort not a sore thumb because it's very good but if you listen to the mixdowns on every other song on sick music they're very clean and 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 sound very much like post you know 2000 drum and bass and this song the mix down sounds very like 90s almost um what it, kind it,
1: of icy and soft and right
0: right right and and just yeah very warm um it is interesting and it's very just uh like choppy kind of amen breaks not super processed not super clean sounding not like clinical <laughs> you know no nope. pun intended sick music but <laughs> um yeah but, no,
1: but i think i think, I think Se- sever's sound it, it lends itself towards that and i think he's okay it's it's it suits the vibe you know it's 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 definitely i i i like that it's it's kind of a bit softer it's not as um sharp on the drums right yeah no way. i think
0: I, we could i could just gush over seven the rest of the time but yeah, big up. <laughs> this is about you <laughs> um but i do want to go back to the beginning with you um when okay. was your first release? Do you remember what year?
1: I think it was 2009 um and it was a a digital only release weirdly in 2009. Um oh man, what, what, uncertified music. It was a friend of Madcaps. Um oh, what was his name? W- Wilsh or something like that and I was yeah, I was writing some stuff. I was sending some some stuff to Madcap and he he was really feeling and the vibes and it was a mad cap tune and my tune i believe on a like a digital single cool um and it is on spotify and yeah i'm kind of listening to it the other day and i was like yeah it's just pretty it's all right you know it's like it's okay not, not horrible that was the uh,
0: next question too was can you stand to listen to your old music <laughs> um because i yeah. know a lot of artists can't they cannot go back and listen to their old music
1: no, I, I don't mind. I, I kind of, it's kind of, it's nice to, to, to track the journey, I think, and kind of just, just, and it almost kind of, you know, like your favorite sort of band's album or maybe films or even kind of, you know, food or there's like certain things that sort of take you back to a certain time. And I can kind of almost remember. I can't actually remember where I wrote that first one, but there's certain tracks I can really remember where I was, how I felt, you know, what kind of sort of mind set I was in and stuff like that, and and all, almost sort of what equipment was, was used. So it's, it's kind of nice to go back and just remind yourself um, where you've come from, I guess.
0: So was that written entirely in software or did you use hardware as well?
1: Mm. I definitely had some outboard stuff, but it was, it was all in the box. Mm. I remember definitely all in um, in 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 the computer, um, but probably some outboards since.
0: Okay, yeah. cool. I'll I'll have to check that out because honestly, I don't think I'm familiar with that release. And, and the first release I think I had heard from you would have been your med school release. Um, yeah so that, I, that that's you know quite a few years later i
1: think that's 2012
0: right
1: right so about three years later and i had a bunch of stuff released on utopian music big up mako um you know we were all writing music together in bristol um i was back and forth going to sort of live with mako for a few months at a time and we were all trying to sort of figure out how to write drum and bass you know we we all love drum and bass and we all tried to sort of figure it all out um so yeah they, they they were i remember them being kind of really really good good times you know just 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 trying to figure it all out that was frustrating at times can like really frustrating because we had ideas but we maybe couldn't execute them to the level that we wanted to
0: mm, yeah um I can but relate. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate with that statement.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I still have that frustration now. You know, like even though stuff gets released and and, and all that, I still kind of think, ah, oh, kind of you know, wish the the drums were a bit better, or you know, the vocal was a bit thing. You know, it's, there's there's only so much tweaking you can do until you just go, ah, oh, that's done. <laughs> just like I cannot tweak it anymore, and you just let you just let it go, and kind of. Do those tweaks make that much difference? It's hard to say, really. Probably not to just, you know, people listening to it on their iPhone and stuff. But um, yeah, tweaking, man. Lots of tweaks.
0: So how did the name... Oh, and this is from Awesome Sauce, one of one of my patrons. Uh, how did you come up with your name? And that's a good one, because I, I was honestly going to ask that myself. And I Googled Willem... Because I was like, that's kind of good, a good name because it's not like a common thing that I know of, but it's actually a name, like it's uh, Wilhelm and uh, William, I think combined, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, um, I don't remember if it was Estonian, but but you were the first thing that popped up, and then a Wikipedia page popped up, and it was the the origins of the name Villam. Uh So you're number one on Google when you when you Google Willem.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a name I chose when I was 16. We started doing nights in our local towns, and it was like, okay, I need a DJ name. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just when you're 16, choose the name wisely because it, it will stick with <laughs> me. Effectively, yeah, it does mean William in German or something, so I've called myself DJ William. Um, so if you're in Germany and you see my name, it'll just be like William. However, <laughs> <So, laughs> <laughs> terrible name but like you say, it's kind of, it's, 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 it's pretty unique. Um, where I got it from, I got it from, yeah, we were about 16 or so. And I remember we, there was some sort of party at someone's house and we'd stayed up all night and it was the, the sun had started coming up and we were pretty kind of, you know, high at this point. And, um, I think we must have been pretty bored as well because <laughs> this <laughs> game we basically were sitting, I remember we were sitting in a van and we had a big map of France, right? Um and the game was someone finds a little village, and then the other two people had to find the the the, the, the village on the map. Yeah, fucking hell, we must have been high. <laughs> bored, right? Um thinking back to it and um i found this little town called uh bits in in france and no one could find it and i was like i quite like the Villem kind of part of it i might have even toyed with calling myself valem bits you know at some point <laughs> um, <laughs> which would have been that sounds great. that would have that been
0: sounds great. a little racy
1: <laughs> yeah that 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 would have been truly awful but so i think i just thought yeah i quite like willem not really sort of thinking that it meant anything but yeah apparently it just means william i call myself william um in 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 german or something
0: cool and you Uh, say it willem right and i say i say willem and 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 you say Willem. potato potato or tomato A regional thing here in the united states everyone says villem. <laughs> you know yeah. it comes up often in everyday conversation and and we you know whenever we're talking about you on the streets
1: <laughs> yeah okay um no a lot of people say uh Willem. yeah i think i say villem because people when i said villem, people thought i said villain right as you know what i mean and so i I think I started pronounce it a bit differently to kind of enunciate annunciate M. So mm. it's like okay, not villain, it's Villem. Right. I, I don't mind. I've been I've been I've been introduced in Fabric as Wilhelm. <laughs> he got my name right. It's like yo, everyone, get ready for DJ Wilhelm. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 that's not 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 how you say it. Do
0: you know Do you know what the Wilhelm scream is?
1: Yeah, yeah, from the from used from many films. Yeah, the, yeah,
0: yeah. You should you should throw that in a song. Yeah. Dedicate there's a, James a song to that.
1: Yeah. Have you heard the James Blake tune, Wilhelm Scream? That's a good no. Tune. no. It hasn't got the scream in, but yeah, so it's, <laughs> it should. Good oh, that's tune. great.
0: Yeah, that's in Star Wars. That's in that's in everything. It's in Bond.
1: And once you know it, you yeah. hear it all the time. I heard it in what was it like despicable me i think the other day i'm pretty sure it's in that my kids the kids are watching despicable me and i was like oh there it is again just like a little easter egg isn't it
0: yeah it's a people kind of in the know right uh, so you talked about being in a van um what about guarding vans well <laughs> uh, how'd the vanguard project come about uh, this is from uh oh someone wrote it, this question uh it is from james shoemaker another patron
1: how did the vanguard project god i remember me mcleod and ria were I basically smithy from total science said recommended me and mcleod to ria because ria wanted to write some some some, an album project and um total science or smithy Paul Smith from Total Science he recommended getting in contact with us and we started writing some 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 music together and somehow BC had caught wind of this and um, he actually only lives about 45 minutes from Ipswich and um, he came down and sat in McLeod's house and basically pitched himself to us because he really wanted to sign the album he's just he, he really liked what we were doing and what um laura like what what is doing and um yeah he just came down and said, you know i really want to get involved and um i was like okay cool it's nice nice that he's come down and, and and made the effort so that's kind of the first time that we came into contact um as to kind of how we started writing tunes together i can't I can't honestly remember. Um, somehow me and Steve BC just started writing some music together. I can't remember how, to be honest. I'm I'm, I'm sure it just happened once. And um I think we did a remix together. It was like the Bachelor of Science remix that went really well. Um we we did something for for, for BC's album with Frank Carter on. Um and yeah, kind of the way that we meshed just just worked really well, and we could just we could just write a lot of music. Just just the way maybe we just complemented each other in terms of, you know, Steve's great at coming with ideas, and I'm maybe great at kind of rolling ideas out. You know, it was kind of um, a, a good balance. So yeah, we just started writing a lot of stuff, and we thought, wow, we've got so much music coming. Maybe we should um, think of a like an artist's name to separate our our things out, and um yeah, and we went through about a hundred or uh, different names, and then one of the first things that was written down was the Vanguard Project, and then we chose about another ninety names, and then we came back and go, actually, the Vanguard project, that sounds kind of cool um so yeah that's 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 the origin story of so no vans no vans. no, no beefy is Do you
0: wear vans do you ever
1: wear, I do wear vans. I do. <laughs> and Spacey wears shin guards no he does not but um yeah i do wear vans um I, I,
0: we- I have two pairs and if i ever need anyone to guard them i will have steve guard a pair and you can guard a pair no it's funny because i never thought of that and i think i was listening to the it had to have been the hospital podcast because tony was talking about guarding vans. And I'm like, what is he talking about? Like, Tony, like, lay off the drugs. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's talking about, because one of your songs was playing. And he's just rambling, you know, just, just like Tony does on the hospital podcast, just because people always tell him to shut up. I think he talks more. Um, that's I know that's what I do on my podcast when people tell me to stop talking. <laughs> but he was talking about guarding vans. And I'm just like, this guy, he's lost it. And then I realized <laughs> he was being
1: being funny Uh, so you can
0: blame tony for that that whenever i hear your name now i just think of you and steve i should just photoshop it you and steve standing outside of a van with like an m16 or something and mean mugging people
1: yeah that we do need some new press shots so maybe (laughs) that's that's a
0: a great because people will be like what are the what are the people who aren't uh, just like me they'll be like why are they standing in front of a van why are they guarding this van like Mm. and i don't maybe like a week later they'll be like oh Vanguard." Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh
1: i like it yeah why not this this let's do it
0: little tongue-in-cheek it's so funny because i look at press photos all the time and i tried i I did some last year before my hospital release and i try to because i just i i love life and i love drum and bass and and everyone's just so they do black and white and they look so <laughs> like devoid of, of of emotion or like any happiness <laughs> and like yeah. i think silly press photos i think smiling press photos i i i saw someone post a meme once and it was like uh, saying that like someone stole all the smiles from djs and producers because it was just all these pictures of producers just like standing there in black and white like looking really serious and it's just like get get over yourself just smile <laughs> live a little bit um you have a good press photo where you're smiling it's the one i see the most actually
1: okay yeah
0: it's like the sun's behind you and like you've got your arms crossed and you're kind of looking up and smiling it's yeah a, it's a good shot
1: um yeah, we had uh, me and McLeod had a photo shoot with um, Shalone Wolf, and um, yeah, we were like, we just wanted it to be colorful and and kind mm-hmm. of you know a bit more upbeat. But, yeah,
0: yeah. And your music, I think, is a reflection of that. And I guess maybe some people like Alex Perez. I guess if he was like in a fun house smiling, it wouldn't fit his music. <laughs> um, but. No. But uh, you know, I don't know. It's just it always cracks me up when I see people's press shots. Um, The thing is,
1: like we're we're kind of people who sit in a a room, probably on their own for many many hours, and probably don't actually like having a camera pointed at them. But or they've you know they've not slept for they've had like four hours sleep because they've been DJing on a Friday and Saturday night and. And the, the thought of smiling is not possible, <laughs> potentially.
0: Oh, I maybe it's just me, but I uh I smile a lot. <laughs> I just uh I don't know. I it's just I, I've i always heard it what it takes more muscles to frown than to smile. So uh, I'm just I don't want to get you know crow's feet and all that stuff. Although, does smiling cause crow's feet? I I don't know, whatever. <laughs> um, all right, I have uh, some more questions from patrons. Uh, Breathe and Bass wants to know more about the jungle sound that you've been hinting about uh, in your recent productions. Um, yeah, I
1: wrote a couple of jungle things um, a little while ago. My th- sort of plan is to release those two on vinyl at some point, I kind of need to go back in and just just do the mix down a bit more um currently i've kind of got sort of a bunch of other projects that that i want to just round off there's there's a vanguard project album that we're currently working on there's another ep for them ep for spearhead that i'd like to get done and kind of once those things are you know kind of dusted off then i'm would like to write some more sort of 160 jungle stuff and 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 head into that world um yeah so i've written a couple of tunes uh, i've even bought like a an, an ancient thing called a dat machine digital audio tape deck um which basically when they back in the day that's what they bounced everything to these little um let me get what get one out here
0: Oh, okay. yeah, if you're a patron, you can watch film okay. show us a, a dat
1: yeah this is these are tiny little uh and oh, this one's not even open, but yeah they're tiny little just they look like cassettes, but they're 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 not there's something slightly different, but yeah, I think everyone used to just run maybe all the sounds out of the sampler through the mixing desk and then they'll bounce everything to dat, these little tapes. And then they would take those tapes to the master engineer then the engineer would master from these these dat tapes so my kind of but there, there's also something to running running your tune kind of heavy into the dat inputs mm. you can clip it and it saturates a bit and it has a certain sound so i've been experimenting with that um it's kind of on pause at the moment whilst I finish a bunch of other stuff, but I'd like to kind of write loads of jungle stuff and and bounce it to that and kind of geek out in that whole whole process and then send the dat to the masking engineer and to have kind of this little layer of like a nod to, to the nineties, just for something to do, you know, after you've, you've, how many tunes I can't, I reckon I've released like a couple of hundred tunes by now. So I'm just always looking for new little angles just to keep myself interested. So that's, that's one thing I've got on my wish list is to write loads of jungle stuff and have it on that and, and, and all that. So yes, yeah, that's is, where the jungle things at.
0: Is there no plugin that do you need the, the, the actual machine to do that? Or is there, I wonder if there's a plugin that'll approximate bouncing out to, to Dat um, to that. Uh, <laughs> that that, um, that seems it, like if there's not, that seems like a good opportunity for someone to develop a plugin. Um I
1: mean, it's basically just tape saturation. So there's there's hmm, million right. saturated plugins. But they usually don't emulate a, a DAT machine. They usually en, emulate like a um like an AMPEX tape machine, you know, with the big kind of wheel things where the tape kind of would spin around. Because that's kind of the the tape saturation that, that people Know and love in the old seventies studios, but in the nineties, those big tape um two inch i think they're two inch tape um reels got kind of replaced by the digital tape mm-hmm. this is what this is the the dat machine um so everyone used used to just just run it into that, so I've not seen an emulator for that there there was something there's something that is kind of impossible to replace. And I think it's like having the audio come out into the analog world through kind of wires back into the digital world. And then the certain kind of processes of it going to tape and stuff like that. There's a number of kind of layers of processing going on, which I mean, yeah, software, there's definitely some software plugins like the UAD stuff, um, the way it emulates compressors and EQs, um, which I'm sure is real close. But there's just something about the sound coming out into the analog world through circuits, you know, and then back into the digital world. That is just has a certain thing that is hard to to put your finger on, really.
0: It's interesting because it's a digital audio tape. So is it both analog and digital? Are you going out to a digital uh, medium through an analog machine kind of?
1: Yeah. So basically you'd come out of wherever. So I'm coming out of the computer and then it's running into a mixing kind of channel. And then so that's running into wires and then the wires go out of the mixing channel to the, the DAP machine. So we're currently gone digital out of the computer to, to analog into the mixing desk, then into the back of the DAP machine. And then when it records, it to tape, but then it's like digital audio tape. Mm-hmm. I don't quite know what that means, if I'm honest, but it goes digital, analog, back to digital, and then, then I would be bouncing that to tape and then I would bounce that then back from digital, from the tape into the analog mixing desk, then back into digital in the computer. So this back and forth, mm-hmm. and then, then you're crunching it, saturating it, clipping the inputs of the DAP machine. So there's, there's something going on there just, and also it's running through a little um, mixing channel strip, which will have its own little circuit tree and own quirks and depends if you've kind of edged that close to kind of being saturated on the desk as well so all that stuff just does stuff that's kind of hard to emulate not saying that you need to do it but it's just it's just I'm just interested in because sometimes I listen to like the 90s stuff and I'm like man it just sounds so so pleasant to me And I'm always kind of thinking, why is it sounding so kind of pleasant and nice? And it is just this saturation, this kind of running. If you think in the 90s, people might have sampled a lot of stuff from like vinyl, their sort of vinyl collection, and then they'd run their vinyl into a sampler. They might kind of run that that vinyl signal relatively hot, as in loud, into the sampler. So it might have saturated, clipped all the on the way in. And then that sampler, then you tweak the samples and chop them up and reprogram them. And then you might run out of the sample into a mixing desk and EQ the mixing desk, you know, a bit of treble here, or maybe a bit of gain, saturate again. Then out of that mixing desk into a DAP machine. Okay, maybe you run it quite heavy into the DAP machine. You're saturating again. So there's all these processes just naturally built into to how you write stuff in, in the early 90s, mid-90s. And there wasn't really that many soft synths. So you'd have like outboard synthesizers. There's a lot of circuits and, 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 and stuff in the mix. And then you send that, that, that tape to the mastering engineer. They'd, you know, master it from, from the DAP machine. And then that would get pressed to vinyl then that vinyl get given to someone you know like Randall or someone then he'd DJ that in a nightclub and then eventually I'd hear that tune on a on a in a tape pack in a rave tape pack so the level of processing that's going on just for me to hear that is is kind of insane whereas now I can hear you know you or me write a tune bounce it out the door put it on SoundCloud boom a lot less level of kind of processing that's why it sounds so clean mm. and i yeah. kind of kind of like the, the the grit and the 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 vibe of the 90s thing and i think it's because of all of those processes that's happened
0: well it's interesting we were talking about instrumental i don't remember if it was last week or a couple of weeks ago and and if i'm understanding what they were doing uh they were using Tons outboard hardware stuff, right? I don't know. And, and the sound they got um, or they get is just, oh my god! You know, I there's no way because we were looking at I, I think some drums and, and to reproduce that in a DAW, unless I just want to try to nick their drums, I, I just couldn't. There's just virtually no way I could do it. Um, or that I mean, I don't know how to do it. There might be a way. There there probably is, uh, but it's it's beyond my scope and my skills.
1: I mean, there is, but it's still never going to sound as as, as thick and as juicy and as nice. Like, I always wondered, um, like, how DJ Hazard, like, his tunes, whilst they're kind of pretty gnarly and kind of in-your-face in and jump up, but I was like, wow, like, the mix on these, just it just stood out. It seemed way different. And kind of now he's opened up some, you know, his studio, you can see pictures and stuff, and the level of kind of gear he's got, like like manly EQs, they're kind of worth like four grand each. Like Neve kind of channel strips and just the in in insane dedication to the sound that he's trying to get. And then you're like, ah, okay, that's why things are just sounding so weighty and chunky and kind of they just stand out. It it, it kind of it, I think a lot of people have kind of cottoned onto that recently. That having this combination of in the box kind of maybe for the final kind of mix, but using out of the box stuff to get the sound is, you know, the 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 way to go if you if you really you know want to get a, a big thick chunky sound. Like I was listening to Daft Punk recently and like just that you know some of them tunes are so simple but they're so thick and just fat. You can just tell that it's just really expensive equipment on a really nice mixing desk and everything's just high end, just weight, just, just pure weight, but in a really nice way, not in a kind of a, like a digital kind of clinical way, just, just, just really punchy and, and, and it sounds awesome.
0: Yeah. And in, in one sense, it, it's great that the barrier barrier to entry is so low now, but in another sense, I, I think the people that are really pushing the sound, a lot of them are still, you know, they're not just using a laptop. Um, like, I don't even have monitors. <laughs> you know, most people at least have, like, some monitors and maybe some soundproofing. Uh, you know, I don't know. They, they, I I have a very bare bone setup, um, partially because, you know, I have neighbors and I don't want to be a jerk. and and blast them out all the time hearing the same like 16 bars on because I I don't know about you but when I produce I put like a section on loop for who knows how long and and I'll tweak and I'll tweak and I'll tweak and I'll add things I'll remove things and and that would just sound obnoxious to an upstairs neighbor (laughs) I'm sure um but you know my setup you know you could reproduce it for maybe a thousand dollars um and then you have these people the people that I think are still really pushing the sound and really doing it they have a lot of 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 outboard gear so um yeah
1: it's not to say that that you need it you know like someone like like skrillex you you don't have to you know i think he's kind of mainly sort of all 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 in ableton but Mm. you don't have to have all this stuff um but me personally like the stuff that really kind of stands out is the producers that are using kind of these outboard kind of things and and it just it sounds just on a personal level it sounds sounds really pleasant to me that's, that's what I like um so but but you can kind of you can kind of um like what I like to do I like to kind of think okay I haven't got uh, all these outboard kind of compressors and stuff but you can kind of gravitate towards the plugins that emulate that so you can kind of get and a warm analog sound in the box but with these kind of emulations of the outboard stuff so you can almost think you can almost think about it in a way as if you did have an outboard studio but you're using kind of in the box stuff that's kind of how I like to think about it
0: yeah yeah, I just get really jealous. Like I look at someone like Amon Tobin or someone, someone, and it's just like their studio is bigger than my house, <laughs> and it's just you know wall to wall, floor to ceiling. It's it's crazy. Um, so you you were just talking about plugins. Uh, Zed Piano asks, uh, do you have any essential plugins that you use in every song?
1: Um. Yeah, I I love the 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 Towel t-a-l that's the company i can't remember the 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 acronym what it stands for um but i use the the tau dub delay almost every single tune i just love that delay has a certain kind of um crunchy sound to it the tau filter quite often use that tau filter two, i think it is um the tau reverb is is really good So I really recommend those. There's also, they've got a really good Juno 106 emulation as well from Town. So I I think, again, they kind of program their plugins to sound quite analog. I think that's why I like them, because it has like a a non-digital kind of sounding um, sound to it. Um, so yeah, I use them all the time. The the UAD stuff I, I use the the EMT one forty reverb. I use every single tune. I love that reverb. Um, I like kind of the Ampex tape saturation UAD thing on on drums. I use that pretty much in every drum bus now. Um, the UAD eleven seventy six compressor. On the drum bus a little bit as well. Um, the Hive plugin. Yeah, I've talked to you about. The Hive, yeah, not... I was
0: just gonna ask any any soft synths or anything, and and that's one that I use now. Um, except I have Hive two. You still have the first Hive, but yeah. uh, as far as I can tell, that is you know there's a there's a lot of good stuff you can do in there, and that's just such a user friendly, uh, really the barrier to entry on that synth. I, I it was a great one for me to start with because like I could just easily get like a sine wave and like make a baseline. Just, it was, it was very easy to understand. Um, So that's the, and the 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 price isn't too bad.
1: Yeah. The price is not too bad. um, Especially when I think BC bought it and (laughs) gave me, Uh, but you've kind of bought it for all of us to use, but um, um, yeah, the presets, the presets are just great to use as well. Right off bat i mean that's that's an american saying but um that's the presets are great as well you can tweak them and again it just has this rich kind of almost analogy juno 106 sound i think the hive it just sounds warm it doesn't sound you know like like a lot of people use the the like a sit like the the serum synth but i never really liked that because it was quite digital and kind of gnarly sounding but maybe i wasn't really using it But the presets to me just sounded quite sort of digital and harsh. And the hive presets just sound like warm and and big. I'm not really, as you know, I'm not really much of a synthesist. You know, I don't really dig too deep into like I'm gonna start from a sine wave and and build like a kick drum from from scratch. Like I'm not really into that. I kind of tend to pick presets and tweak them and um and 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 go from there really. So the hive is great for that
0: yeah it's interesting you know when when I talk with people about music production there's so many different approaches to it and and there are a lot of people that just do so much from scratch um and and that's not me and and you know that some people I think get into the mindset that it's cheating if you're not making every drum hit from scratch and building your breaks from scratch and do 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 and it's uh, there was some a producer one producer got some flack recently for sampling other drum and bass songs and it's just like man like this whole thing is about you know sampling right um and and and, and like other people have done a lot of the work for you um so i i know it's a touchy subject for some people but you know it's like if someone leaves their drums out there, I don't know, like you're leaving your drums out there, just hanging. There's no music on them. Like, and, and you know, uh, where did she- they get those drums from? And, and, and uh I don't know, you know, I I was helping a friend with production the other day and he's doing all his drums in MIDI and he's getting all these layers and stuff like that. And, and I showed him some of my projects where uh, the, if anything I have kicked too. And, and sometimes I'll, I'll, if I use a preset, right, I'll, I'll make my kick in a plug-in um, for side chaining reasons and stuff like that. But other than that, like, I'm using drum brakes, right? I, I'm rarely, and if I do get hits, a lot of times I snip the hits out of drum brakes. Like, I, I rarely use individual drum hits. Um, so, and, and again, you know, I don't even have serum and people are like, you don't have serum? And it's like, no, I, I don't. Um, yeah,
1: so many ways of doing it. Right. i mean if you go through the history of drum and bass you, you you'll see time and time again that 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 people sampled from from within jungle and drum and bass and, and and rewrote stuff and kind of taken it taken it to the next level so i think hey everything's a sample it's all out there as long as you're right. doing something creative with it and kind of like repurposing it for 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 for, for like a different thing i think it's all fair game really um so yeah don't worry about sampling other people too much
0: just have a couple more questions <clears throat> from patrons uh and the one comes from uh good shepherd and uh he was asking if you could share a few obstacles uh and he's an aspiring producer by the way so and, and yeah. he's he's the one i was sitting down with the other day um showing him some of my process. Uh, Can you share a few obstacles you overcame uh, that allowed you to become a better producer? Yeah. Uh, Any early hurdles, especially early on? I know, you know, with me, the sampling thing, Uh, you know, I'll kind of start. And and it was a sampling thing that I got caught up on. I was trying to do everything from scratch. And Mm -hmm. as a newcomer, that was just such a monumental task. And I remember you being like, hey, why don't you find some good samples? (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. and, And as soon as I did that, I wrote my first song that got signed. Like I had written some songs up to that point. Um, some sketches, I guess I wouldn't even call them songs. And it was all using synths. And and I was using maybe some drum breaks, but I was even doing a lot of my drums in MIDI. And, and you were like, no, like, listen to music, find some stuff you can sample. And that week, I wrote my first release, you know, um, that was the biggest barrier to me was just like, wrapping my head around the idea of Like I was listening to an orchestral, like a classical song, and I was like, this piano is perfect. I can loop this piano, and then I can loop these strings later on in the song. And then that was kind of the backbone, the melodic backbone of my very first release from The Ashes. Um, So that was the biggest hurdle for me was just like, oh, that's what everyone's been doing. They hear other things out there, and and they're like, yeah, that gets the wheels turning, right?
1: Definitely. I mean, sampling... Can just make things happen so much faster because if you think if you're trying to play everything yourself that's such a big hurdle you know like so okay so you want a a nice piano thing you're going to try and play that yourself for one you're using a piano vst which never sounds as good as a real piano for two you're probably not like an expert pianist um so when you kind of sample stuff you, you you've you've probably got an amazing piano that they're playing on some really good engineers who are recording it with some great microphones, and then someone who's been playing a piano for 20 years. um That's probably been mastered by a really good mastering engineer. There's so much that goes into that one sample. Then that's just gonna elevate your tune and make things just happen faster. And you're taking that and chopping it up and rearranging it and making something new in a different context. You know, that's so much of drum and bass is is built on that. But I was the same. I i was we, we you know we were being way more when I say we it's me Mako and, and my brother Fields ben um yeah we we're trying to build everything from scratch and and it wasn't until we really started digging into kind of sampling and stuff like that things just started happening much faster and you know a lot of so many people i teach when i kind of sort of just say it's okay to do this it just opens up and makes it a bit more fun you know you can just lay stuff down and come up with some ideas and roll out a tune that sounds way more professional so yeah just just wherever you find samples doesn't matter where they're from just just sample everything and then layer it up with different stuff and and it's all good um what was the the question barriers um that's one you know that 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 is one how to kind of move forward in quicker just sample everything get a really good sample library um other barriers were kind of um being too hard on myself Mm -hmm. when i was beginning and trying to learn i wanted to when i thought that okay i want to write drum and bass okay i was like okay here's my favorite andy c tune or my favorite ed russian optical tune or you know my favorite caliber tune i want to write stuff like that that's quite a high bar you know and and within kind of months it's, like, oh, it's not sounding anywhere near that and then i just think oh maybe i can't do it and i'll just be sort of way too hard on myself and what i can't now realize is that i was kind of picking these favorite tunes and say like there's an Ed Ross and obstacle tune there might be like 50 other edros Russian obstacle tunes I didn't even connect to didn't even like you know maybe 20 or so I'm kind of cherry picking these amazing tunes that have stood the test of time and then I'm comparing my tunes to that ridiculously high bar so I think we all want to be superstar producers and DJs and stuff but and while some people do just within very quickly become very successful for a lot of people it's like a, a lot slower process and i'd say just don't be too don't expect too much too soon just 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 the process is going to take can take a long time can take mm. can take you know there's the whole 10,000 hours kind of rule which you know is probably like 10 years really 10 years of mastery when you start something 10 years later you'll probably then you could say you're maybe an expert in um so yeah think in terms of okay I might, I might not be there yet but in 10 years time if i keep doing it will i want to do it for 10 years who knows but yeah sometimes it takes 10 years
0: yeah yeah i think it are our own worst critics you know and and uh you see that a lot in what I was talking about earlier. Like most people like can't stand to hear their early music or even like a release from like a year or two ago. They're just like, ah, oh, yeah, that's old. The, the new stuff is much better. You know, people say that all the time. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I kind of
1: prefer the old stuff, you know?
0: That's interesting. Right. Cause my first release and granted, I wrote it two years ago, so <laughs> it hasn't been that long, but I'm, really happy with it still like there's mixed down stuff if there's one thing I would change it might be some mixed down stuff um but like overall like the tune I think has a vibe and and I dig it and I continue to rinse it um so yes. I think it's I don't know it's and, and there's always VIPs right you can always do VIPs so
1: yeah no so I think from from teaching yourself you you caught on very quickly and i think once i kind of opened the, your mind to like hey you can take a you know a, a beat from here and stuff like that then 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 that that helped you get your ideas down and what kind of became very apparent is that you have some very strong ideas on what, what direction you want your music to be
0: mm.
1: you know you, you you definitely like it musical and you like it kind of um meditative almost I'd say you know in in the in your approach and how you sort of have lots of dreamy kind of layers going on a bit too many but (laughs) that's that's a that's a, a another discussion for another day but um so yeah I think I think that that's that's your strong point that you've got a very strong sense of identity which is actually quite you know that's that's one thing I I always thought to myself, I haven't got that. And other people say, oh, no, I have. But for me, because I had so many different styles, I kind of wish I had a, a much more, oh, that's a Villem tune within, you know, like, first five minutes, first five seconds. Um, but there's, yeah, there's very few producers you could actually say that. Like, Dillinger for, is a classic example, you know. Set back in Bob yeah you know like sort of you know at late 90s dillinger drums everyone be like that's a dillinger break just mm. stood out a while again very high expectations so rare for that actually to be a thing
0: and and this isn't meant as a slight at all against you but i think those are some of my favorite producers because like caliber seba and bop i always say are my top three and like you know you're like bop but like there's just something whether it's the drums or or a lot of times it is the drums i mean with with era it's like 64 bar intro <laughs> not a whole lot's happening it's caliber no <laughs> but uh you know it, again not not a slight against caliber but you know he does what he does he does what he does and he does it perfectly and he does it like he other people just don't do that right there it's like you're not allowed to do that but but caliber does it and it's great (laughs) right um
1: yeah i think it's because it's when you're the 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 origin of a a, a, like a sound then then yeah it's like it's it's, it's hard to describe but like you know that's caliber's thing you know and everyone else is just playing catch up really um so he he's got the confidence to just yeah you know I I like it simple I like but then kind of when you listen that's there's always these little things that are coming in that haven't happened before and that's why people keep coming back because there's these little things that if you are just like listening to it in a non kind of I'm listening to it way where it's just in the background it just sounds like this one thing that's looping over and over but when you kind of listen to it a bit more with a bit more of attention there is these little things that are constantly kind of happening that haven't happened before, which makes it really musical and kind of evolving, which I think just the, um, just, I, don't know, I was going to say the, the general public, but that sounds really demeaning, <laughs> like, you know, like just, just people who aren't producers and like, like studying it, like some geeks, like we are like, they're kind of, you know, they're just letting it wash over them and, and just enjoying it. But they can feel the, the subtle changes and they're like, oh, it's kind of it's not just a loop.
0: Speaking of the general public, this is from the same same person. He asks if you have any pets.
1: I have two, two cats called Betty. One's called Betty, one's called Louie, named after my my grandparents. Um Betty god bless her has only got three legs she was in some sort of accident and she lost lost a leg but she's an absolute this was years ago probably about five years ago and she's fine man she's got three legs it was her front left leg that she lost um but she's still jumping on fences and walking along the top of fences mm. and jumping down and trying to attack birds and yeah she's she's fine and then betty's brother louis he's yeah he's always catching birds and bringing us presents of you know mice and stuff awesome. so, Yeah.
0: Two cats. cool i i uh we have fish <laughs> i think i have 15 <clears throat> i think we have 15 fish there, there's if you ever watch my live streams there is a fish over here and then i have a big tank in the other room with with tons of fish so a little easier than cats but cats i you know i i've I've always been a fan of cats uh, growing up. I think at one point we had five cats and three dogs. We inherited like a bunch of other family members, pets at one point. <laughs> um, and, and and we had a, you know, a death in the family. So we got a collie. We already had two dogs and we had either two or three cats. We ended up with a couple more. I don't know. It was crazy. And people used to call our house the zoo and we had a rabbit uh, and, and birds and, and a snake and, and everything. So. Um, I've always been a huge. I think pets are a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to have around as a musician because um, they can kind of keep you company, but they don't disturb you too much. So,
1: yeah, yeah, the cats. That I mean, my studio is at the bottom of the garden, and so they 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 don't they don't come in. But they used to when I had the studio in my house. They used to come and sit in my studio, and. During the day I'd have the volume pretty loud and they'd just be like sleeping. <laughs> and like someone would close the door in next door because our house is, you know, like an end terrace that's so joined onto another house and they'd freak out. Because someone slapped the door like next door. But I was playing like club level loudness next to them and they were not even batting an eyelid. Um, but yeah, they're, 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 they 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 do not join me now because they're my studios in the bottom of the garden. But yeah, pets are cool, man. I love pets
0: yeah yeah no they're the i i always say i don't trust anyone who doesn't like animals um you always hear like one of the first things especially like anyone who ends up being like a serial killer or a murderer is they always like they experiment on like animals first like any kind of sociopathic behavior always starts with animals so when someone says they don't like animals i kind of look at them, look at them sideways <laughs> i'm like oh ah.
1: I mean i try and i don't even like kind of stepping on ants or anything oh know? yeah
0: no i'm the same way
1: like and i try and, like you know sometimes i'll like i i caught my my youngest son sunny he he found like a daddy long legs I said, do you have them in the mirror, Yeah. People? yep and he picked it up and he was just pulling the legs off it you know he's he's three he's he's like oh what's this do i take the legs off will they <laughs> go back on like no <laughs> so i'm like no no you can't do that you know this is a living Mm-hmm. thing this is like you know it's like betty or louis like a like a like an animal um so i'm very kind of pro animals i i, I do eat them though so there there is a bit of a, a hypocrisy <laughs> I, I feel yeah i, I do enjoy e- e- eating kind of uh animal meat but i am kind of yeah i don't like hurting them myself right. which is a bit of a weird let someone
0: else hurt them for you so you can eat
1: them yeah that's that's a yeah a whole different discussion I no guess. i
0: i i feel yeah <laughs> i had tuna actually twice yesterday my wife made tuna salad so canned tuna i had you know but for dinner i cooked tuna steaks so i was like oh we're eating you know tuna twice today and i look over at the fish i'm like oh <laughs> you know there, yeah. there, there's just a huge fish tank with all these fish swimming around and, and then, you know i go over and feed them and and it's just there's some irony there you know i'm i'm feeding and you know i i we take pretty good care of our fish we cycle the water every week we i do a lot to to maintain a lot of people just get fish and put them in way too small of a tank and they don't know how to take care of fish and and our fish are are extremely pampered
1: um well, we looked, looked after nice. we have a
0: siphon we siphon the gravel we rearrange the decorations they have different decorations so, you know i mean they <laughs> they
1: yeah, have they, it pretty good um but life. then
0: you know i'm over there eating their brother or whatever
1: <laughs> it is i think yeah it's kind of because everything i mean we even call we don't call i'm eating cow we say i'm eating beef mm. we've kind of changed the name so it doesn't feel as bad you know it's kind of it's strange but hey they taste delicious if they didn't taste so goddamn nice then right. <laughs> and my, my wife's gone full vegetarian and, and whilst i do love like vegetarian curries and stuff i just I i just i enjoy eating meat so yeah, go. my
0: parents are vegetarian. So I was raised in a vegetarian household, uh, oh, but yeah. they didn't force it upon me, which which I'm I'm grateful for. But my dad's an environmentalist. Like he worked for the Department of Environmental Protection. And, and you know, I was raised to be very environmentally conscious, and beef is just not a sustainable form of food. Uh and there's obviously overfishing, and, and anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. Okay. <laughs> um just two more questions and and then we'll wrap up uh first off from from bvzlyr buzz lightyear i found i didn't i'm like what does that mean and i asked him uh i think you're familiar with him uh i think you may have given him a lesson or two
1: okay we'll Uh, see that uh, because i'm
0: trying to remember his real name now (laughs) <laughs> he he's from uh he's from the netherlands he lives in amsterdam
1: yeah, yeah okay yeah he, he lived on a boat if I he lives remember. on a
0: boat Yep. i was just gonna say because he does live streams on my youtube channel from a boat oh, which sweet. i think super cool obviously you can't tell that he's on a boat but he's on a boat um yeah. Amsterdam am crew yeah yeah for sure uh he says <laughs> he says when are we playing back to back so that's a question for both of us i guess <laughs>
1: interesting um i'm not not sure about
0: that so when you play back-to-back i have a question now do you rehearse at all beforehand do you do you sit down with the person like i assume you and mcleod or you and bc would be the people that would if you ever do uh, back-to-back because vanguard project is two people i've never dj'd with a second person so i have no idea what that's like Um, um no 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 kind of um
1: practicing or, or anything like that I, I do my own individual kind of practicing and if it's a vanguard project set then i'll i'll get all the vanguard you know tunes in in a folder and any kind of tunes related to that but the last few times um we've done vanguard sets has just been 100% vanguard which kind of makes it easy um and yeah no no kind of um practicing um so yeah just kind of just 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 winging it really <laughs> just freestyling, free but yeah. I, I often do that in, in my sets. I've done a few kind of pre prepared sets, and I always just prefer kind of just vibing out, just seeing, okay, has the last DJ been hammering it with like big heavy tunes? Cool, I'm going to take it this way. Or if, does the crowd feel a bit flat at the moment? Maybe we need to play some tunes. People know, you know, I kind of like to mm. approach it in, in, in a more kind of um, improvised manner. Um, I just, yeah, i prefer doing it that
0: way. Yeah, yeah, I think there's something to be said for a very, like Andy C, obviously his stuff is like super like pre-planned, right? Uh, so there's something to be said for that, but also the free form, you can read the crowd maybe a little bit better. You can um, just, yeah, you can just kind of go with the flow a little bit more. Uh, and if you've DJed enough, which I think you and I both have, probably dj more times than we could possibly count um you just kind of get a feel for it um that's another thing i've tried to teach some people how to dj and it's when you've done something for so long and it's so second nature it's other than like i can teach someone what like four four time is and like you know kind of the structure of drum and bass like 32 bar you know phrases and stuff like that other than that and, and mixing and key i guess it's just like I don't know. It, it it is it is a hard thing to to explain. Uh, DJing in front of a crowd and, and reading it and just kind of because I'm the same way. I just don't pre, you know. I I don't structure my sets at all. I have my USB with probably way too many songs on it. Um, because sometimes it takes me forever to scroll through them. But um, you know, and yeah. same with the podcast. It's funny because like at the beginning of the podcast, I always say who I'm going to play. And sometimes I don't play all those artists because it's not planned. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel bad because like I know last week I was going to play. I said at the, you know, up front, I try to be like, oh, this week we're going to play this and this and this. And I said I was going to play Etherwood. And then I was uploading the podcast and I listened back to it. And I was like, I didn't play any other way to this podcast Um, because I wing it. I just I it's totally, you know. And sometimes yeah. you get a, a funny mix that didn't sound quite right, but I don't know. I prefer it that way.
1: I mean, I tend to kind of set up a new playlist for for every DJ set. And there might be some new tunes that I've written, or or new tunes that have uh, been sent from other people, and and um, yeah, I like to play kind of new stuff with a, a few classics thrown in.
0: Yeah, and and with well, the podcast is all new stuff, so that's that's what I do. Is I have usually between 100 and 200 songs on a playlist that are new promos that came through in the past week or two. And I picked from that. So, but when I DJ the club uh, to my own detriment, and, and I actually haven't been DJing much lately because of COVID, but um, I just, I just wing it usually just from my whole library. Uh, I, I might have an idea what song I'm starting with and an idea of where I want to go with it. Um, mm. But, uh, but I just kind of go with the flow. So, uh and then our last question is from Ted Mitchell. And he's asked what the what your favorite club is, uh club night that you've played. Favorite club night.
1: Favorite if my favorite DJ set in terms of what club there's there there's two fabric room one was my favorite dj set me and mcleod back to back i think it was about 3 a.m it was busy and just the setup in room one in fabric is just amazing to dj it's just you can hear everything it's like the perfect kind of you know the monitoring situation is is, there's no kind of front of house bleed or anything and it just sounds it sounds incredible that's kind of like just in terms of yeah, it's fabric room one, the history of fabric, and kind of also the setup and just how the set went it was it was cool. um the best the best sound system was in Germany. Um, oh man, I'm forgetting what club it is, but there's a there's a club in in Germany, and the sound system basically the 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 club has been designed by some acoustic engineer. And the sound system is just insane, just loud, incredibly loud, but not harsh, bassy, just a dream. I'll, I'll try and find out, and, and you know, and, and maybe maybe um, send it to you. But yeah, those are the two that kind of stick out. There's, there's millions more, but those two stick out.
0: It's interesting because I don't think any of the clubs I've ever played in were like engineered to that extent. Um and and they tend to be here in the united states super bass heavy and i think that's probably the case a lot of places but like there's songs where a lot of times the drum and bass depending on where you're standing in the room all you hear is the bass line um oh, it's, wow. so i i just don't think the acoustically or you know whether it's the speakers they have or whatever in the united states and it probably has a lot to do with the other types of bass music that are played in clubs, um, drum and bass, especially the more melodic drum and bass that we do, is not the norm, right? So they're not gonna, uh, but like trap and this stuff that's just like really loud <laughs> music. Um, I, yep. Maybe they're like geared more towards that. Um, I don't know. but uh, could be,
1: Yeah, it could be just the way the the, the engineers um, set up the the club system maybe, right. especially when you say that though.
0: What about favorite festival?
1: Um, Favorite festival, I did really enjoy um, my set at Liquicity. Oh, cool. Um, It was actually a big set and BC couldn't make it. Um, So I ended up playing on my own, I think an hour and a half, which kind of was good for me, Um, but had a really good set and just the the level of kind of organisation and liquidity was 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 top 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 of the line. Um, hospitality on the beach as well—that was incredible. Um, yeah, rub it in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Are I you playing
0: next year? Are you doing uh, Albania?
1: I haven't been contacted yet, so I don't think I am. I, it, I've just, I've seen the lineup, the phase one lineup, and I, I'm not on there, so. Yeah, might 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 not be playing that one, I don't think.
0: Okay. I yeah, I, I'm not sure about me either. So but I'm still talking to people, so I don't know. That'll be yeah. I Absolutely. we were both supposed to play it. That would have been the we still have never met in person. That would have been the first time we would have met in person. That would have been the first time I've met anyone in person because I am in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And um yeah, it's it's weird. I am looking forward to um, a lot of my listeners know that'll be coming over in February. Uh, and uh, I, I'm really, yeah. really, really, really excited because I've bet, never yeah. met anyone.
1: Yeah. It's going to be, yeah. Hopefully we can, you know, if the the schedules line up, we can, yeah, finally get to see each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> I, uh, I know I'm meeting up with, with Johnny Mike kiss, uh, I, I think I'm going to try to get up to his place and, and uh, maybe work on some music and, and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm so excited. I've never been to England. I've never been to London. Uh, I might be going to Bristol. I don't know. Um, but. uh
1: check out some, some drum based bass nights if you can.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I'll be DJing in London and then hopefully in Bristol. Um, I, you know, if any more gigs come my way, I would, I don't think I'd like to do more than two or three, because uh, I want some time to, to check out England. You know, I'm really, really just excited just to but, check I mean,
1: out. Even just as a, you know, as, as a fan, just going to to Fabric or, mm. uh, you know, so some of these big events, just because if you've not done it, then.
0: Right. Yeah, it happy. might, it might change my mind about going to events, because oddly enough, uh, I don't attend drum and bass nights. I just don't. Um, I, I I don't know if it's because, you know, I don't drink, I don't do, you know, any kind of drugs. Um, so I I tend to, um, for better or for worse, avoid places where that happens a lot. Um, and uh, so unless I have a good reason to go there, which DJing, I think is a good reason to go there. Um, you know, I, and, but that that's kind of a whole nother topic but yeah i i don't i i have not been to the last actually the last person i saw live was break um and i just went for break right there was other djs playing i was in and out in an hour because i was just like oh break's coming to pittsburgh i i have to i, I can't say no to that but I'm um awesome. you know, that know. that was 60 minutes and i was out so yeah no going but going to fabric i mean that's different than going to a club with 100 people in pittsburgh i guess <laughs> so
1: Check out fabric. It's it's an experience, definitely. Yeah. It's where on bases has happened. You know,
0: right? It's definitely. funny because I'm just so detached from that over here. Um It's it, it's such even the idea of playing in London is such a foreign thing. I don't know if it has even quite set in yet. But but going over there and and people talk. These are just words to me. Fabric, hospital records. I mean, even you know, the, like even though we've released there it's just like i've never met tony i've never i it's all so abstract um it's it's it'll be cool to, it'll be more concrete i think when i land i'm in london i'll be like oh shit <laughs> like this is real so yeah uh, so I, I was joking with irie the other day because he's in sri lanka and his mom's like are you sure like these are real people and like your people are really listening to your music because i mean he's dude you know <laughs> he he's he released on gold, fat, and focus, and and flight Pattern, or not flight pattern. Um, oh god, pilot, uh, UK. You know he's got stuff on UKF and all this stuff, and and tons, and he's been getting tons of press. And his mom, you know, in Strong is just like, this seems suspect. But
1: it's <laughs> all some big ruse. To yeah, keep- I don't know
0: his uh, his hundred thousand monthly Spotify listeners <laughs> are are a ruse. All right, cool. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your your uh, busy, busy schedule to to sit down and talk and uh, for the really? inaugural episode of Alpha Rhythm and Friends. Um thanks With to all my patrons for, for their questions. Uh if you want to support me on Patreon or follow me on any of my socials, it's just Algorithm D and B. Uh do you want to plug any socials, any upcoming projects, EPs, LPs? Mm.
1: Just yeah, search Villem uh, should come up. and Give us a follow. Um, yeah, I've got not much coming out till next year now. So yeah. Oh, actually, there's a there's a new release on Merkt, which is from a a new producer alias called A Audio, which is DJ Addiction, and uh, another producer and yeah, that's going to come out next Friday, Friday the 5th. So check out it's a double A single. Check out that that release. Cool. Same.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and just to plug your label too, Murkt if if people I meant to ask you about that. I'm sure there'll be a million questions later. I'm like, "Oh, why didn't I ask them about that?" <laughs> um but if you're not familiar with with Merked, you know, get to know uh, cuz there's been some good stuff on there uh and I'm sure there'll be a lot of good stuff coming in the future. So, all right. Well, thank you again. And uh, I look forward to seeing everyone on the next episode of Alpha Rhythm and Friends. Peace out.